Welcome to Own It from Women Lead Change. I'm the CEO of Women Lead Change, Tiffany O'Donnell. On today's episode, I'll be talking to Ariane de Beauvoisin with a degree in economics and international relations from the London School of Economics at just the age of 19. Ariane began her professional career at the Boston Consulting Group, working in over a dozen countries. After an MBA from Stanford, she moved to New York, and in 2000, she joined Time Warner as the managing director of their new $500 million digital media venture fund. She's spoken and coached to companies like Google, Twitter, Morgan Stanley, Amazon, and more. Her Nine Principles of Change workshop has become a cornerstone of her teachings and has received rave reviews. Hello, Ariane. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Tiffany. So excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And and where are you at this moment in time? I am in uh, the beautiful Swiss Alps. I usually live oh. in New York City. And we uh, came here for parts of the pandemic and been so fortunate to be in this kind of nature. It's been incredibly healing. What's your day look like there? That's a really good question. It depends, you know. I am usually out first thing in the morning, either for a walk or run, or when the slopes were open, a ski. <laughs> now I'm going to wow. make everyone jealous listening. You are. You are. I know. I know. And then it's down to a couple of meetings, coaching calls, some of my creative projects, which I'm sure I will get into. I try and be done by the time I pick up my son by the end of the day so we can actually have some proper good time to be present together. I have a golden retriever puppy, so he takes up a lot of the day too these days. I'm sure. How fun for you. That's fantastic. Well, your life, uh, looking a little bit into it, uh, it's pretty incredible. It reads a bit like an adventure novel. I might say you grew up in six countries on three continents, a college degree at the age of 19. Yes. Summited Mount Kilimanjaro, part of a movie. Um, Safe to say that your life is like its own project on change. You know, I think my parents, they weren't no they didn't really know what they were doing, but they were definitely getting <laughs> me ready for writing books on change, helping people and companies through change. Um, you know, I was born in the US, my parents are European, if you're trying to figure out the accent while you're listening. And then I spent my childhood in Asia. I married a South African just to burn in for another fourth continent in there. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I was thinking about this, like the parts that I controlled. I would say until the age of 25 to 30, I felt like I was a little bit on autopilot and doing what Mm. the world had told me, what was expected of me, what my parents had told me to have, you know, good grades and a good education and hurry up and get a college degree and make money and get a job and climb the ladder. And, And then I kind of woke up towards my late 20s, 30s. And I just started really choosing my life as opposed to having it be chosen for me. And so the adventure novel part, I think, starts a little bit later where I felt like there were different questions guiding my life. So it was a bit more, you know, what matters most to me and what do I Mm. want this life to be about? And, you know, what's worth doing with this life that I've been given? And that kind of started informing some of the more, you know, fun experiences. I left jobs that I wasn't very happy and fulfilled in. I left relationships that I didn't feel my heart and my soul were really into. So I really kind of shifted from having more of a mentally driven life to a bit more of a heart kind of soul, spirit, intuitive based life. Mm. And that's made all the difference. It truly has. It's sort of an ego based life versus a soul based life. Was there one specific turning point? You know, I would say there was one that combined two things. 
in my early 30s, I was in a very successful job. The world had told me it was the best thing I could be. I was in venture capital. I was a female. I was a partner. I was running a $500 million fund. And I was engaged to one of People Magazine's top 50 bachelors in New York. And the whole thing was just wrong, Tiffany. The whole picture was wrong. I mean, it, this was what well, my whole life and education and parenting journey had told me would make me happy. And I was probably the least happy I've ever been. And wow. that, that was a turning point to kind of go, wow, this external life looks perfect. And internally, it's so far from it. I was unhealthy. I was not sleeping well. I was just not myself. And even though I was keeping up this external image, you know, I really did get down on my knees and kind of prayed to anyone up there listening. And I was just, show me the way, show me the way, show me the truth, show me my truth. And then after a while, it just became more and more obvious that both of these were not right for me. They're right for plenty of other people, but they didn't have my name on them. That, that was my mm. big turning point. And from that point on, I always check in with how things feel as opposed to what I've been told externally should make me happy. Do you find that it took practice to do that? You know what it did because it was so foreign in the way I was educated. Like no one's ever asked me, what do you feel? Or what, what's your intuition say? Or even what do you want? You know, I think those are not typical parenting questions. And so it took me a while to sort of reparent myself away from a very safe life, a safe job, a safe marriage, a safe way of making money to, you know, my life is full of risks. I'm an entrepreneur. I create my own environment. I chose a relationship based on the heart more than anything else with my husband. So it takes practice to be okay with the, what I call the consensus consciousness, tells you to go after and you choosing something different. That takes practice because that's a big magnet. Do this, marry this, have this number of children, dress this way. This is what you do when you're 40 or 50 or 30. Like that magnet's very strong. It takes practice to kind of pull away from it and you choose mm -hmm. your own consciousness and your own choices. That's not easy because there's not that many people doing it. No, I think it's courageous. I mean, that's <laughs> the word that comes to mind is courageous in those moments. You see what you intuitively know, but it's such in contrast to where you are. I mean, it takes courage to step out in a way. It does. It takes courage to sort of let go of the trapeze that you know and that has your name on it and that you've been holding for a very long time and it's really comfortable. And you can't, you have to let go of the first one to catch the second one. You I've done trapeze school, right? This is one of the other crazy things I've done. And they teach you, you have to fully let go of the one. And then for a mm. moment, right? It could be a few seconds until the person catching you helps you either catches you or you catch the next trapeze. And that moment in between those trapezes, that's courage. And it's also the definition of change. It's in that moment between the one job and the next one coming, the one relationship and the next one coming. And you don't know if it's going to last a month or five years. I mean, I broke off my engagement and it took nearly five years for me to meet my husband, you know, mm. and it was fully worth it. But some people be like, oh, it's just, that's too scary. It's very scary. Yeah. That unknown. I love that visual of the trapeze. Cause there is, it's just that terrifying middle, you know, in yeah. between. Tiffany, it's, it's two parts of trust. You have to trust yourself and you have to trust either that the bar is going to be there for you or that someone else is going to catch you. And both those things are important in change. Like there's a sense of like, I have to trust myself, but I also have to trust life 
or someone else. It's not ever just you. Mm. And that's so hard for control freaks. I may or may not resemble that remark, but (laughs) very hard for control freaks. Yes. And I would say, you know, it's an interesting time that we're living in during the pandemic, because the one thing it's showing us is what we actually have control over. And it's nothing on the outside. And a lot of my clients, you know, my invitation is always the journey back to what you can control, which is yourself, your mindset, your focus, your language, your questions, the meaning you give things, your kindness or lack thereof towards yourself and others, the way you are with your health. I could go on and on and on. There's such a big bucket of things you can control. You don't control your partner. You don't control your the climate. You don't control the stock market. You don't control your children. You don't control, right? But that's where all the sources of suffering are because that's naturally where we want to go to. So the invitation is always to go, wow, this is such a hard moment for so many of us. And our, our inner world and our inner journey is really the only source of happiness through so many of these very fun external things that, you know, you read a few minutes ago, is that I, I can do one more fun trip or one more marathon or one more adventure, or one more, you know, project. And that external never heals the internal sense of either lack or missing or not good enough or not loved enough or childhood or whatever it is we're trying to heal as our core wound. Like I'm a poster child for that, of Mm -hmm. trying to heal so much of that on the outside with so many cool external things. And it never healed it until I started doing the inner work, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, with a coach, with teachers. That's Mm -hmm. my foundation. It's nothing on the outside. Women Connect All Access Workshop. You can't say that with Liz Need. We'll focus on strategies to master diversity in a new decade. Join us on June 9th. Tickets are available at wlcglobal.org. Well, let's talk a little bit about on the inside. And you you speak specifically about the power of words. You know, you've reviewed so much research about the neurological effects that our own words have on us. We can fall victim to the power of those inner voices. And so many of us, as you say, live above the neck. You know, how Absolutely. do we manage those, those voices and the yeah. stories we tell ourselves? Yeah. There's an important branch of research a lot of people don't know about called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And if you hear neuro is about the brain, linguistic is your language and the words that you use and programming is literally telling you that your linguistics are programming your brain, your emotion, what you focus on and what your life is. So I am very, very aware when people, including myself, of course, still a work in progress, are using both languages and thoughts and words and questions because I know that they are literally programming my external reality. So I'll give you an example. I have you know, many, many clients. One of them I'm just thinking of happened last week. She's been single for a while. She's 39. And her language and her words are terrible, Tiffany. Like it is the exact explanation of why she's single. So she will say things like, you know, I'm not lovable. I'm not what men want. I've always been single. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life, you know, which sounds very casual. And yet your words literally are like tuning forks. They're like vibrations that go out into the world. They're like a radio broadcast. So her radio broadcast is, I'm not what men want, FM. I will always be single, FM. And of course, in that environment, there's absolutely no one showing up. 
And so her taking responsibility for her words, and it sounds trite, but I say to her in a playful way, you have seven seconds to cancel any negative word, thought, into seven seconds, that's it, count it. And you literally, I teach this to my son too and kids, you say cancel, cancel. And that is your command that you will not allow that to leave your vibration and your frequency for you to attract on the outside. Part of it is awareness. It's just bringing it out of our blind spot of how terrible some of our thoughts are. If we could see the fact that we are energetic vibrational beings, if we could literally put ourselves under a microscope and see the impact of one of these words and thoughts and what it does to other people in our environment, I, I think we would never ever say these things again about ourselves. And the other thing I would say about the power of voices is, you know, and I've done a lot of work myself on this, is the first step is always to identify whose voice is this. So I have my mom's voice, my father's voice, my religion that I was brought up in, voice, the voice of the feminine, right, in society. And then I have my five-year-old's voice. I have my 14-year-old's voice. So I, I have all those voices. And even though I'm in my 40s now, I'm very aware of when those voices show up and they're not the 40 plus year old version of myself. The 14 year old sometimes wants to get on stage or the five year old, that doesn't work out so well, right? The 14 year old sometimes is, is, wants to fit in or wants something because that's how she didn't feel great as a 14 year old. The father voice is usually one where there's always gonna be a problem. It's always about safety and survival. My attention is, okay, I'm feeling something. Whose voice is that? And then I can kind of integrate it back into what's the path that I want to choose in this point? So, so many of the times you think all these voices are you and they're really not you. <laughs> they're just the environment you've been swimming in. It's just like you're in the ocean, you're a fish. And, you know, right now the oceans are pretty dirty and you need to just kind of change the water you're swimming in. You're still a really healthy fish, by the way. So the water that you're swimming in are the voices, the environment, what's programmed you, your school, your education, your life, what I call your tribe. When that gets cleaned up, the fish gets healthy again. Fascinating. Like, I'm imagining like beautiful rainbow fish at this point. And I, I love, love scuba that. diving. So I'm imagining like manta rays and just dolphins and you can all pick one. But it's like oh. they, they, are, they are who they are. It's their identity. And you know, the identity, Tiffany, is, is the hardest thing you will ever change about yourself. It's how you view yourself. It's what you've been told. You know, you're a this person, you're not a that person. You're an academic, you're not a CEO. Or, you know, you're a mother, you're not an entrepreneur. Like those, that is dirty water you're swimming in. And if I can just pick up your beautiful self and put you in another environment, I'm not even going to say fishbowl, but another environment, you would be around people who do not have those beliefs who do not have those limitations and blind spots. And you'd be like, oh my God, I'm flourishing. What happened? You changed the environment, you changed what you told yourself and you changed how you saw yourself. And I don't know if you've had this experience or if any of our listeners can relate to this, but I know when I've been on vacation, um, I'll meet people that are obviously, I don't know, we're meeting for the first time, we're coming from different places. And it's so fun because you don't have all of that, um, at least for me, you know, there's no preconceived notions about me or that person. And I find sometimes you just connect on such a really great level as complete strangers. And so I just wonder friendly. if it's, it is because you give yourself permission to decide who you are in that moment. I mean, not like lie about who you are and be a completely different identity, but 
there is freedom in that. There is. And it also allows you to change your story. So, you know, your friends know how long you've been single or married or complaining or how long you've tried to lose weight or quit smoking. Like they relate to you from a perception of your story, which is why coaching is so amazing because I have no idea if you've been trying to do it for one year, five years or 10 years. What matters is right now, this is what you want. This is the gap that you'd like to close with how you'd like your future to be different. And, you know, what I've found is when people go through change, there's always someone there that helps them close the gap. And very often, it's not your closest friends and family. It's very often someone who can already see you through the change. They can see you on the other side of divorce. They can see you married with a child. They can see you healthy after breast cancer. They just, they hold that perspective. And it's like you move towards that. And, the, you know, your friends and family, they bring their own model of the world and their fear and their concern. And of course, their love. Someone who's neutral, whether it's a coach or someone that life brings your way, is like holding a mirror of like the best version of yourself. And you're like, yeah. oh my God, that's me. Yeah. And I, I have had people say, you know, I wish you could see you the way I see you. Those are great words. Beautiful words. Overwhelmed by data? The Master of Business Analytics program at Iowa State University can help with that. Their program will teach you how to organize your data and use it to drive decisions taking you from down and out to the data-driven top dog. The program is 100% online, it's customizable, plus there's no entrance exam. If you're ready to make your data work for you, visit ivybusiness.iastate.edu for more information. Women Lead Change has done some research on the effect of the pandemic on our female workforce in particular, and we, we found a decline overwhelming decline in mental health over the last year. Uh, the changes have certainly been big and numerous for all of us. You know, how do you talk to people um, about how we can manage this change from a mental health perspective in this yeah. global pandemic? Yeah, oh, that's a big question. You know, I don't separate mental health from physical health or emotional health or spiritual health. That's the first thing. And I think a lot of people are seeing it as separate. So when I help people, I'm always first looking to the very foundation, which is their physical health. I've never met someone who's in great physical health and has not great mental health. So those two are very connected. So I, that's the bottom foundation of everything. So I will check in on how they're doing on the very basics, how they're doing on sleep, how they're doing on eating well, how they're doing on moving in some form, not even exercise if that's too big of a stretch, and how hydrated are they. Because when those four things are out of whack, I promise you, I, I will have huge mental health issues myself just from those four things. So first thing is I never separate it. I encourage people to see that health is usually the number one thing that goes out the window during times of change. Even like really good change, even like really happy changes, your health is really not what you focus on. If there's anything we can do right now during the pandemic is to come back to taking care of our health. I wouldn't even call it self-care because, again, sometimes that's too much of a ladder for people. I, I've encouraged you know, my, my coaching clients to do something small every day for their health. If it's eating something healthy, wonderful. If it's drinking a few liters of water, wonderful. If it's doing 40 squats, wonderful. If it's going for a walk, wonderful. It's not big things, but it signals to yourself that you matter and that you have control over some aspect of your life. It is very hard to feel really angry and fearful when you are outside and moving. The anger and fear and sadness is usually an inside the house feeling. 
it's usually I'm not moving on the couch or in bed feeling. So my first thing is physiology first. And then the other thing I think is very tied to mental health is your emotions and your connection to something greater. And I think what we're finding is, especially during a pandemic where so many of us have been literally forced to be inside or stay inside, it makes it very hard to pursue all those external distractions to our emotions and our mind and our lack of meaning and our lack of fulfillment and our lack of spiritual connection to anything. And so we are feeling it much, much more than when we are out in the world and not forced to literally and physically go inside. And a lot of us have avoided that our whole lives and it's made it very difficult because people don't have the support to do that inner journey and the inner work. That's where the mental health is, is really hard. It's like, I feel alone. I have to face myself, be with myself, maybe be with my spouse, who, by the way, is also, you know, <laughs> spilling over all of their mental health issues. It's looking at the whole life, not only the mental health. Mm. I think the pandemic has forced us to look at what's not working for our lives, which can be a pain in the butt, but it could also be such a gift to go, oh my God, I'm really being asked to stop and look, is this really the choices that I want for my life. And we get these moments in our life where we will be woken up and we can be woken up with a small knock or we can be woken up with a health diagnosis or we can be woken up. And we are all given the opportunity right now to wake up a little bit for the better of our lives. This isn't to make things worse. You know, I love that connection you make with movement and getting out of the house. You know, so many of us have been been at home and I think for maybe some of the more introverted people, um, it's been very comfortable here. And now as we begin to venture back, it might seem counterintuitive, but not everybody's ready to do that, even though we know that we feel better for some reason when we're outside, we're out and about. What's your advice to people who have gotten very comfortable inside? Yeah, good question. I would say it's never an either or. And I see this so many times with women more than men. It's like either I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert. Either I'm going to make money or I'm going to make a difference. Either I'm a strong woman or I'm like super feminine. And women, we really, really need to bring in the word and. I'm a mother and an entrepreneur and I make money and I make a difference and I have fun and, and, and I'm spiritual. Like the word mm -hmm. and really is a gift for women right now. I call it the cosmic end. So whenever you're like, either I go outside or I stay inside where I'm comfortable, I would always push people to kind of go, well, how can I really truly honor both parts of me? We all have a masculine part of us and a feminine part of us. We all have a, a mental part of us and more of a heart-based part of us. I think part of what we're being asked to do, especially at this time in the world, is to integrate all those parts of us and to stop the division, and to stop the I'm, I'm one or the other, I'm more this or more that, to integrate, you know, literally the material and the spiritual, to integrate, you know, the fun and the serious, to integrate all aspects of who we are. So I think when people go, you know, I'm really comfortable on the inside, there is a part of your heart, your soul, your spirit, who came here to be in the world, not to be out of it. Mm -hmm. And so find, finding what works for you and really trusting that and honoring that, that's different than kind of going, well, I'm comfortable, which really equals I'm a little fearful of the outside, right? There's an opportunity for growth there too for everyone. Or mm -hmm. you've got people who can't wait to get outside, go right back into their five distractions, 
because they don't really like themselves and they'll do anything to avoid the sense that they know they need to change jobs or they know they need to lose the weight or stop the addiction. Your principles apply to our kids as well and our young people. How can we better prepare our future leaders to successfully navigate change? That's such a special place in my heart. I feel like, you know, since I have a child now, he's seven, before I had him, I was so committed to all types of personal growth, professional growth, financial growth. And I thought, you know, isn't it interesting that my my parents never taught me any of this stuff. So we kind of have to go look for it at some stage of our lives. Um, Most of our wounds as grownups trace back to when we are children. And so to me, it made sense to go, well, let me trace it back to the kids and look at the parenting journey and the educational journey and what, not what we're doing wrong, because every teacher, school and parent is really trying to do it right. Just how to elevate it. What's missing? What could, what could help our teachers and all the parents out there? And, you know, my very small contribution to that was to take so many of these life lessons and life skills that I remind grown-ups of. We all know them inside, but I remind them, remind them, and to try and language them for young kids, even starting at age four or five, all the way up to our teenage years. So I put together a book series for children um, called Giggles and Joy, and they're, they're 24 life lessons for our young leaders about what I feel we most need to be focusing on. I did a TED talk also on this with three, three life skills we need to teach our kids. Ha- helping them deal with change is certainly one of them. And, you know, just to take that as an example, right now our children are going through an enormous amount of change. You know, our caretakers of our children are not only navigating their own feelings around change, but at the same time transmitting how they feel about change all the time to their kids. So you've got to help both the grown-ups and the children with every life skill. It's not a matter of here's how you parent children <laughs> in self-kindness, in honesty, in forgiveness, in change, in having a bad day. It's really, how am I doing? And your essence will actually parent the child. I wanted to give some tools to all of us exhausted parents and teachers that would clean it up in ourselves. So just actually the way we're being is doing the teaching. It's not one more thing to add on my to-do list. Ariane's telling me, oh my God, I forgot to teach my children about change or how to be sad or how to navigate something difficult in life. What I'm seeing with children is they're naturally incredibly good at these. They go with the flow. They want to be in the present moment, which is not where we are. We're in the, I miss the past and I want the future to be different. Kids have no idea what that means. They are right here, right now. So that is their gift to us. When I coach parents, and I coach parents specifically, it's very challenging because they think I'm going to help them fix their children. And it's always what's going on with you, what's going on with you and your work, what's going on, what kind of day have you had? They <laughs> think, well, when are we going to get to the kids? And I'm like, oh, no, we're get, well, this is it. This is actually what is parenting. Helping people reparent their own you know, childhood. So many of us are trying to repair that through our children. Mm. And, and it's not, it's not kind. Um, what, what's kind is to really see the child we get given and to be with that child, not change them, not fix them. I want it to be any other, any other way that we think. And it's, you know, our, our future is the children that we're bringing up right now. And so how do we expand 
on the education, not change it, but just expand it. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. about mindfulness and meditation and children naturally want to do this. They, they gravitate towards it. And, and it's hard to change the system. Asking for help is one of your coaching techniques. And yet um, you say you've seen professionals be so hesitant in, in getting a business coach. Um, even while so many of us have coaches in our lives, what's the hesitation, do you think? And what do you say to those people? Uh, you know, recently I've been, I've been trying to point them to the fact that in so many other industries, think of the music industry, think of the acting industry, think of the sports industry. You, you are no one without a coach. You, you have minimum talent, you get given a coach. Even at, in high school, you get given a coach. You would never get a sponsor without a coach. I've been writing a lot of articles about what is it about the business world that doesn't adopt the same thing. I mean, you know, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, they could have so many, you know, Oscars. They still have acting coaches. Roger Federer, Tiger Woods, they have changed coaches with every tournament they've won just to make sure they don't get stuck in the way they've always played. It's not only how to play, but it's also their mindset. It's what's going on at home. It's what's influencing their game that they're bringing out on the court. I sort of neutralize it with sort of looking at other industries and the, I mean, coaches get paid millions of dollars in other industries, not what I get paid, (laughs) Um, because they get people the results that they're looking for at a world-class level. So that's usually the first thing I do. The second thing I do is to remind people that a lot of very successful people that we all know have coaches. They're just in the closet about it. And I think the reason for that is there is still a perception nowadays, unfortunately, when you, if you went to your employer and said, you know, I'd like to get a coach, more than likely they will say, why do you need a coach? Not, oh my God, that's a great idea. You're high performing, you're talented, and we of course would like to support your growth. Why do you need a coach? What's wrong? And I've heard that from clients who I've encouraged to go ask their head of learning, head of development, head of HR, head of people to, you know, take my services on board. And I mean, there are a few very amazing progressive companies who are like, absolutely, we'll put her on retainer, we'll make her available for the executive management team, which I hope more and more companies do. Because when you really take care of your people, their productivity massively increases. And whether you're taking care of what's going on at home, you know, parenting and productivity right now are intimately connected. You help people be productive. You help the parents in your organization be productive. They will thank you by working so much harder. My limited view of what I see, I would say half my clients are completely fine going on the record as having me as a coach. And yet, unfortunately, 50% still today, they wouldn't give me a recommendation on LinkedIn. They wouldn't be in an article and being quoted because of, well, what are my investors going to think? Or what are my, what's my co-founder going to think? And it's a sad reality, I think, that, and this is men and women, Tiffany, so this is a surprise. You know, men are supposed to know it all and be together, and women have a fear of, like, it's going to show that they're not good enough. So we both carry our own baggage, which has been built up for decades, right? This is not the most recent job or situation that has brought it up. It's really been the the mindset that we are bringing up both our boys and girls in. And I'm very committed to showing people that I did a decade of research and work on change. And 
people always say, okay, I don't have time to read your book, <laughs> even though it's a really quick book. They'd probably read it in two hours. Um, you know, what's the what's the number one thing? People love these sort of things. What's the number one thing that helps people through change? And I say, ask for help. There is someone else out there who who's started the business, raised the funds, had a miscarriage, lost a mother to Alzheimer's, whatever it is that people are going through, you are not the first person going through it. And yet we insist on being alone, I'm the only one, no one's felt the same way. The WLC store is open. All proceeds from merchandise sales during the month of May will directly benefit our Girls with Goals Fund. Shop away at wlcstore.myshopify.com. What's your superpower, Ariane, and how do you own it? My superpower, I think, from my teenage years has been that I am obsessed with learning and growing from other people. And what I mean by that is, you know, I picked up my first self-help personal development book when I was 15. And as fantastically external my childhood was, internally, I was not a very happy child. I was a bit depressed. There were some issues going on at home that were certainly far from being lovely. And I thought there, there must be another way. Like this is not the life that I'm going to replicate. And that just opened up a whole world of, wow, this life is not happening to me. This life is happening for me. That was the first thing I remember kind of going, okay. And that I have the ability to affect some aspects of my life. So I have the ability to affect my health. I have the ability to affect the people I surround myself with. I have the ability to affect what it is I even do with my life. So, you know, fast forward 30 years, you mention a book, Tiffany, I will get it and skim through it. You send me an article, I'll read it. You send me a podcast, I'll do it. You tell me to go to an institute, I'll look into it. You tell me someone has a piece of the puzzle of this life that not only can help me, right? This isn't a sort of self-concern kind of project. In the work that I do, I will take it on because I know that it is part of why I am here on the planet and, and someone is going to benefit from it. So I'll read something and like a week later, the universe will bring me a client that has exactly that going on, right? To me, my, my superpower is never being closed off to anything. I'm incredibly open-minded. You tell me to drink wheatgrass five mornings a day, I'll do it. You tell me to try this because it's the best thing to do in my intimate relationship, I'll try it. Have, having that open-mindedness has taken me a very long way and it's allowed me to help many, many people because I've had to test it out. I've had to journey myself through my very dark nights of the soul and my super fun, amazing things that have happened. You know, you sense when people have gone through this, you sense when it's not just theoretical, you sense when it's owned, it's in your own energy. That I would say, I don't think that will ever change. And it's just, I believe my soul is here to learn and grow and expand. And I believe my ego is here to get what it wants. <laughs> and so, my superpower is to always listen into my soul, which is learn here, grow here, expand here. Not comfortable. Oh, la la, really not comfortable. And my ego is here. I want what I want and I want it now. And the more I can pull back to the soul, the more I feel in my superpower and go, my soul, my soul knows the way. My, my ego is not making things very easy right now. Ariane, so insightful. Thank you so very much for it your insight today. And we're so grateful to have you on the WLC stage too. Looking forward to 
to learning more alongside you. Thank you, Tiffany. I've, I've loved your questions. I've loved uh, the depth of them and the, the ability to, you know, really connect with people and what everyone's going through these days. You, you have a, you yourself have a talent to be able to hone in on just on what it is people are feeling and what we, we can help people with. And what a joy Thank to you. be on the stage. Oh my gosh, to share also the stage with such beautiful and other amazing speakers. Thank you. Thank you. Be well, my friend. I do love Ariane. I always leave feeling better after I talk with her. Thanks to Ariane for joining us today and at the 2021 ICR Iowa Conference. Follow Women Lead Change on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate that. More information and tickets can be found at wlcglobal.org.